Sydney Film Festival is about to make its return to theatres next month, and one of the titles that will be in the lineup for the festival is Sissy starring Aisha D. To celebrate, sincerely, Cecilia reaching 200,000 followers. I'm giving all of my friends 50% off my new bespoke non-allergenic therapy To tell us more about the film, I am super excited to have on the show the producer of Sissy and the co-founder of production company and distributor Arcadia, Lisa Shaughnessy. Welcome to Film Festival Guide. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on. It's just so exciting to talk to you, especially in the lead up to Sydney Film Festival and with, you know, such a big sort of festival circuit for the film that we're releasing at the moment, Sissy. Well, let's talk about that. Like, as a start, like, how excited are you to sort of return to festivals? We've had so many years with COVID. How excited are you to play a festival like Sydney Film Festival in cinemas? Oh, I mean, ridiculously excited. I think um, it's kind of the best outcome you know, that we could have hoped for really for a film that we shot in the first year of the pandemic um, when everything was so uncertain um, and then for it to sort of be ready and finished and be having a big kind of, you know, first of all, having its Australian premiere at the Sydney Film Festival, we're a New South Wales company, so Sydney Film Festival's at home. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's thrilling for all of us, but I think also just the fact that we're all back live at festivals and able to enjoy you know, theatrical experiences because, you know, we've all watched a lot of Netflix for the last, you know, couple of years. And, you know, we released a movie in the first year of the pandemic, 2067. And, you know, it was a really real challenge because it was a really big film that we'd made and, you know, and we and, and we loved our home on Netflix. And actually, I think it meant, you know, in a lot of respects that a lot of, a lot more people probably saw the film than might've seen if we'd had an Australian theatrical release, but it did miss out on a festival run because that was the year that, you know, all of the festivals shut down. So I think to sort of come out of the gate at the beginning of the year where, you know, not only are the festivals all running in person again, but I think people feel kind of safe and comfortable enough, you know, with COVID to actually go. And um, so, yeah, and I mean, just, you know, we love, I mean, I just absolutely love Sydney Film Festival. And I think, you know, this is the kind of film that I'm not sure is often played at Sydney Film Festival. So that's even kind of a bigger privilege for us, for them to see the value in um, kind of story that we're trying to tell and, or that we have told. And also just to, you know, be able to celebrate with, with people who love Australian cinema, which is, you know, ultimately a lot of the Sydney Film Festival goers. And I can safely say that I am super excited to see Sissy. I cannot wait. It's definitely one that I am looking forward to. For people who may not know what they are expecting out, Sis, out of Sissy, tell yeah. us a bit about it. Well, I think the thing that is kind of unique about Sissy is that it's in, it is um, essentially in the horror space, but it's a horror satire. Um, so there are a lot of laughs, um, as well as kind of all of the, the kind of gore and, and um, headcount that you'd hope for from a good horror movie. Um, but essentially, Sissy is the story of Cecilia, who's in her early 20s. Um, she's a social media influence, influencer and she's got a wellness um, following. So um, she sort of feels like she's like landed in life and succeeded and, you know, everything's going well. You know, we do see a few glimpses at the beginning of the film of the contrast between her online um, persona and her personal life. 
um, and how, you know, they're very different. Um, but ultimately, she runs into um, her old best friend from high school, Emma, um, at the pharmacy one day, completely out of the blue. She's a bit taken aback because she really was very close to Emma when they were teenagers. Um, but they've drifted apart and Emma's getting married and she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I ran into you. It was just, you know, really thinking about you recently. And why don't you come to um, our hens, my hens weekend, you know? And so Cecilia is pretty reluctant at first because, um, as is hinted, there was some trauma in their past that maybe uh, hasn't been dealt with in the most appropriate way. <laughs> um, but she is kind of desperate to be accepted back into that sort of friend circle. And she goes along to a hen's weekend at a remote cabin, you know, in the woods. And um, I guess that's something that we all, uh, it's kind of a premise that we all understand. When she gets there, um, we start to realise that the girl who's hosting it, um, Alex um, and Cecilia have a dark history. Um, and Alex sort of makes Cecilia's life a living hell that weekend until Cecilia eventually snaps. And, uh, and the rest, you really do have to see. <laughs> Nice. in the flesh <laughs> <laughs> but I guarantee there's lots of action lots of gore and um and some pretty big laughs at how extreme um Cecilia's triggering is oh that sounds really good I, I that's a really nice way of like really putting it together and, and as I said I can't wait to see it you know out of Sundance we've had this really interesting, like a lot of the horror, a lot of the films that took out awards in the, at this year's Sundance were horror. Do you mm -hmm. think that there is something that audiences and juries are liking in terms of horror these days? Is there a particular thing that horror filmmakers are doing that is just capturing the imagination of both audiences and juries alike? Definitely. And it's interesting because I've made quite a few films that have been in this space. Um, and there's definitely, I've watched the evolution, like, for example, we made a film called Killing Ground with um, producer Joe Witherstone and Hypergiant and director Damien Power that went to Sundance in 2017. And it was really well received at Sundance. Um, and I think the truth is, is that, um, you know, horror... And, and sort of genre in general has a bit of a bad name. And I think there was a period of time where, you know, they were really just sticking to the tropes and maybe weren't exploring um, anything, you know, deeply interesting about um, society and the nature of humanity, except that if you, you know, if you push someone far enough, they'll murder people you know, <laughs> in gruesome ways. Um, and, you know, we all kind of love those horrors as well, I think. But I think what's been really interesting in probably the last, you know, five, maybe eight years is that, um, you know, with what is, I think, has been a big sort of social change with the new generation, um, people are exploring, I guess, what is the darker side of humanity and the darker side of our existence, which has been only amplified um, in the last few years as, you know, um, climate change and climate crisis becomes a huge issue as we hit a pandemic, we're about to hit a recession, you know, all of those things that people are struggling through, I guess, horror uh, with a social um, message um, is a way for people to 
kind of relate to or feel like their their grief or their darkness or their anger or their frustration is expressed in in a kind of extreme way that lets that out you know safely on screen but also some of the stuff that's being made is so clever and exploring not only um social issues but then also just sort of more diverse characters I think that are coming from different backgrounds and exploring different cultures and you know I think all in all horror has really stepped up in, in and um and it's I love the stuff that we read we read a lot of horror obviously um it comes across the doorstep and I, I think it's when people don't try necessarily to uh, recreate or um just hit the horror tropes but are really trying to say something you know dark about the human psyche or society that the horrors really hit home and I think that's what's been happening recently for sure. What I love most about horror as a genre is like its campness and its relationships especially LGBTI themes and with Sissy you're doing something so interesting where you're kind of having horror as well as the queer themes is is there something to be said about the way that audiences especially queer audiences can really quite understand from a personal level these issues of sexuality through the genre of, of film, especially in the horror genre? It is an interesting question. I think queer horror has always been a thing and it's probably been a more underground um, or niche audience. Um, and I think, look, there's a couple of things to say about that. I think my first point would be is that it doesn't matter whether the characters are queer or not queer ultimately at the end of the day um, they're characters in a story I think that um, queer horror has often been underground because queer culture has been underground and as that changes in society it means that it can be more mainstream so we have a horror film you know where many of the characters are queer um, but it's not about their queerness you know and their queerness is not why the story works and doesn't work you know it's just that the characters happen to be queer um, and still can be in a horror movie and so you know that's one angle I think you know for example we just premiered had a war premiere at South by Southwest in March which we all went to and you know we watched we were in the midnighter section which is all um, horror you know and there was quite a lot of queer horror in there and I think from from another angle yes there is a place to explore the um, you know the yearning for identity and the um, shutting out by society and you know, potential, you know, abuse or, you know, all those kind of darker things that can happen to anyone, but especially does happen in the queer community. Yes, horror is a great genre to explore that. But, you know, and in our case, it's less about um, exploring queer themes than uh, really having queer characters, you know, having a cross-section of society as characters. It just so happens that, you know, the lead and, you know, the leads are queer. And I think that's what's really great about um, all the characters in CC. And, you know, we're absolutely proud to be a queer horror film. And um, there are some other uh, things that we'll be announcing in the future. We'll be part of a discussion about that. But um, it's also just great to see queer people as lead characters, you know? 100% agree with that, yeah. They don't have to be exploring anything other than just living life, you know? Um, So, yeah and just killing the shit out of everything. Totally. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you played South by Southwest, an amazing festival yeah. in Austin. 
I am very curious, how does an audience, how did the audience receive Sissy in Austin at, at a festival like South by Southwest? And maybe how does that audience differ from say a Sydney audience perspective? I think it'll, I mean, we don't know yet because we haven't screened to a Sydney, Sydney audience. So I but just, really but just genuinely, just genuinely. I am really excited to see the Sydney audience um, reaction because, you know, Sissy is an Australian film. <clears throat> you know, we in no way pretend to be an American film. So I think for American audiences, there's um, a curiosity and a potentially a sort of quirkiness about Australianism that they might react to that Australians won't find odd or funny or quirky. But then I think some of the kind of jokes and the humour and the satire um, do have an Australian sort of lens on them. And so I think actually where, where the Americans probably, I mean, they responded really well and they loved it. And they, and, and, and in terms of the sort of structure of the film, you know, there are a few places where you just can't help, but, <laughs> you know, but, um, but I think they kind of, you know, love the curiosity of these Australian characters in the bush, you know, um, doing stuff that, you know, they hadn't really seen before. Um, but I think Australian audiences, I feel like it will probably land even better here because there is that Australian um, humour that, you know, you just can't replicate anywhere else um, that hopefully Australian audiences at the festival will really love. You have some really fantastic actors in Sissy, Aisha yes, D, Daniel Monks. Can you talk a little bit about the casting process of creating Sissy? Absolutely. So when we, uh, when Arcadia came on board the project, um, Hannah Barlow and Kane Sinners are the co-writers and co-directors. Um, Hannah's also an actor and she had written the project, you know, not just for herself to star in, but also, uh, you know, to write and direct and, you know, definitely multi-talented, you know, multi-hyphenate um, threat to look out for. Um, but she didn't want to play the lead and she knew that it was really critical, she, you know, very smart, knew it was critical that we cast somebody, you know, who was recognisable and known. Um, and we... We did a pretty wide search, to be honest, because I think the thing that was most critical about landing um, Sissy is that she, um, Cecilia, the main character, um, you know, really is both kind of like a victim and also a hero at the same time, um, or, you know, and so, or rather a perpetrator and a victim at the same time. And it's a very fine line to walk um, and finding the right actor um, who really understood um, the vulnerabilities of the character so that it could be, so that Sissy could be played as a, you know, as a, as a real character that audiences empathise with um, was something that was really important to us. And I think um, Aisha, we all love from the bold type, like we're all sort of deeply passionate about it. And I think Asia is one of those amazing Australian actors who's been in the US for a long time. A lot of Aussies don't realise she's Australian. A lot of Americans don't realise she's Australian. Um, and once we started talking to Asia, I mean, that, that was kind of like the key that unlocked the door to us realising we were going to get the movie. Um, and Daniel Monks, uh, for example, Daniel was already attached to the project as well. He was actually a key contributor to um, the writing of the role of Jamie. For him, it was, you know, Daniel's an actor, you know, with a disability, and he really wanted to write a character, um, you know, who has a disability, 
but also isn't a victim of that disability and who's just living life and, you know, is an out, out and outrageous sort of gay man who says and does whatever he likes. And, you know, he just felt, and he also felt, you know, he's, um, he's one of the first characters that um, Sissy really um, comes face to face with in a kind of confrontational way. Um, and he really wanted to be a part of what that confrontation looked like. Um, so, you know, he's amazing. And then we cast Yaron Ha as Tracy. I saw Yaron's, um, I saw Yaron at a showcase years ago when she was still at NIDA. And I was like, who is that woman? <laughs> um, and we've stayed in touch ever since. And and she was already on um, Hannah and Kane's um, radar as well. And, you know, now she's in Halo and, and she's just an absolutely spectacular actress. Um, so we had her and then Lucy, um, we were really looking, Lucy, the character was an African-American um, character anyway. So we really needed to find um, an African-American actress who was comfortable with an American accent if they're Australian um, and, and also, I guess could portray that more. She's more of the kind of mothering role and she's chill and probably a bit more mature than any of the other characters um, in the party. And so it was really critical that um, we found the right kind of um, actor who could pull that off. And Lucy did an amazing job. And now she's um, doing a series uh, for CW in the US. And then finally, I guess the really sort of key one is Alex, who is sort of the main um, antagonist in the movie, at least for the first half of the movie. And um, we needed someone that we just felt like could truly fulfill that sort of vacuous, um, you know, seemingly vacuous, seemingly bitchy, seemingly, you know, the bully, the school bully, basically. And Emily de Margariti, who is the absolute opposite to that. And in all honesty, when you meet her, you're just like, I'm not quite sure how you pulled that character off because she's so sweet and loving. Um, but she, yeah, she did an amazing job. We were so lucky. And then obviously Hannah was playing Emma and, you know, she really understood that role. And you always say that you can, the writer is in the, you know, is in the character somewhere. And I think, you know, Hannah really, you know, got Emma. So lucky, lucky for us, we had an amazing yeah. cast. Amazing, yeah. <laughs> it, it's so weird to me. Like, have has do people not know that HD was in the Saddle Club? I mean, who knows? <laughs> no, no, I mean, they, of a certain generation, they definitely do. But I think they're both... <laughs> The bold type really kicked her off and there'll be Australian audiences that I know uh, and I can't talk about it, but are going to be seeing a lot more of Asia in, in significant roles soon. So um, we're so proud to have been able to bring her home and kind of kick off, um, you know, not kick off, but just I think there's been a renewed interest from Australian producers and directors and casting directors um, in trying to lure her home for more Australian projects. So we feel like we were sort of the instigators of that. I was curious how you overcame some of the challenges while working on Sissy. How did you do that? 
I think the thing that everybody knows if they've ever made a movie is that making any movie is quite hard, especially if you're making it at a lower budget um, end. But actually, you know, even if you're making a higher budget, it's still hard um, to make a movie. And, you know, when I say hard, I just mean there are a lot of logistics, there's lots of people, you know, there's a lot of people management, there's a lot of logistical management. And then at the same time, you're trying to keep this kind of creative boat afloat, you know, um, and that that boat that you start off with at the beginning or that ship needs to be, you know, steering in the right direction the whole time, which, you know, can be a real challenge if, you know, you don't have the right um, team or you don't have the right people leading the ship. And so, you know, I think as a producer, you know, your goal in life always is to get those elements right before you start, you know, is to make sure the script is good, make sure that your directors have a strong vision, make sure that they, you know, understand their role as leaders, you know, throughout the whole process and that they have the confidence, I think, to, uh, and then also that they have a craft, you know, because the craft is essentially, you know, the craft is your tools. And if you don't know how to use your tools, um, you know, a lot of money can be wasted and a lot of opportunity can be wasted. Um, so those are the kinds of things that as, you know, as a company and as a kind of studio that we try and put together always from the outset. And um, I do think that is kind of the secret to our success um, in a lot of ways. And, you know, this is no exception. Um, we did, uh, so we shot it in November and December of 2020 in um, Canberra and just outside of Canberra, New South Wales. Um, so it was one of the maybe third or fourth projects that got up in that first year of the pandemic. Um, so we were dear, but it was during that really blissful little period there where we had like zero community transmission. Um, so it was sort of a blessing and a curse in a way where we, we felt safe, but we still had to photo, uh, you know, follow um, COVID safety protocols. Um, and it's also, you know, I think I feel like we're in a different place almost two years later or a year and a half later where we all feel a bit differently about, um, you know, COVID and probably a lot of us have had it now and you know it's so it's not as frightening I guess as it was it's not it's still a big risk because if your actors come down with it you know they're the we're really the one um piece of the puzzle apart from the director that if you lose you've kind of lost your movie you know which for small budgets is a real concern um so we had that um but also you know, when you're trying to make a movie and you'll see in this film, there's a lot of um, in-camera effects because it is a horror movie. Uh, there's a lot of prosthetics. There's a lot of um, blood and gore, a lot of moving camera. Um, and all of those things all have potential obstacles, especially when you're working on a really tight schedule. Um, and, you know, all I can say is that it's really about planning and just working and communication. You know, communication is probably the biggest thing. Um, and for us, I guess some of our obstacles were we still had a pickup shoot, not a pickup shoot, but it was kind of like a second unit shoot that we had to shoot in January. Uh, and when just right before we wrapped, the big Christmas outbreak happened and everyone scattered and we were just like, oh, my God, are we even going to be able to shoot the rest of the movie? You know, and so those kinds of things are always sort of terrifying. You know, can you get your actors back? Are they going to get sick before you get back? You know, are they another role? When you're shooting really low budget stuff too, you know, you don't have as much power as when you're paying people, you know, top dollar for their work. And, you know, obviously we always pay people 
the maximum we can and always the legal amount but you know people are often working for less than they would work on another show and but I think with that you know you always I think one of the other keys to success is getting people's buy-in on the creative you know so if your team and uh, your crew and all of your creative HODs really love the material you can almost overcome any obstacle um but, you know, safety first and all of those things that, you know, uh, they just, it, it is what it is. It's just, you've got to be smart. You've got to know your stuff. You've got to have the right team. Um, you've got to, you know, you've got to live by the rules and work by the rules because that if those things are what protect everybody. Um, and if you do all of those things, I don't know if there's that many obstacles you can overcome, you can't overcome except for just completely unforeseen accidents or tragedies and you know so um but yeah I don't know did I answer the question I mean live by the rules work by the rules it seems like a pretty important thing to live by as a film producer certainly um, <laughs> a final question before you before we head off I know you're an absolutely busy woman who is killing it at her craft give us like the elevator pitch for Sissy why should people go and watch Sissy at this year's Sydney Film Festival people I think at this point in time are really looking for entertainment again. And I think one of the things that I can, you know, happily say about Sissy is that it is a truly entertaining film. And um, a lot of the, you know, we were 100% in Rotten Tomatoes all the way through um, South by Southwest. We had so many people afterwards just say, I just haven't had a rollicking good time like that at the theatre for a long time. And I think what Sissy manages to do is kind of walk this line of being, you know, looking at, you know, very contemporary issues like social media and how we present ourselves on social media versus who we are in real life, uh, you know, relationships and wounds that we have and haven't healed, isolation, um, which is definitely something that Cecilia suffers from and we've all, you know, really experienced in the last couple of years. But it does all of that with the light touch, you know, and, it, and, and so while you can kind of relate to it in a ways that you know, hopefully will move audiences. You also just actually have a really good time and it's just really fun. And, you know, when you when you come out of the last frame of the movie, hopefully everyone walks away, you know, satisfied. And that's what I think is really important. You know, there's so many elements to a film that satisfy audiences and sort of get, you know, all of them right, you know, probably a virtual impossibility. Um, but what you want people to feel when they finish watching a movie, they were truly satisfied by, you know, the ending, the journey of the characters, how they related to it, and really whether it entertained, you know, tickle their fancy. So Sissy will definitely entertain you. It's a popcorn movie. It's really fun. Um, and if you like a little bit of horror and gore, you get that as well. So that's my elevator pitch. I love that. An, entertain <laughs> and, an entertaining popcorn film. Lisa Shaughnessy, exactly. thank you so much again for taking the time and talking to Film Festival Guide. I wish you all, uh, I wish you all the success for Sissy. I cannot wait to see it. Uh, make sure you check it out at Sydney Film Festival this year.